Welcome back to Chunk Glasses, the podcast, my fine music-loving friends. Uh, I am Kevin, and you are now hanging out in my basement with us, uh, as maybe you've done uh, these 204 times or 203 times before it. Uh, we are glad to have you. Hope you checked out the last few ones. They've been uh, pretty groovy. Not as uh, groovy as this one, though. And I'll tell you why. Because this week, uh, we're talking about A, an album that is probably one of the year's best. It is certainly one of the year's most important albums. But B, we're talking about it with two of my favorite people to talk about music with. I'm talking about Marcus Moore and Marcus Dowling. Uh, Marcus J. Moore is up at Bandcamp right now. He's a senior editor at Bandcamp, but he did a lot of journalism work uh, around here in D.C. and before he started writing for places like uh, Pitchfork. Uh, you might you might have heard of them. Uh, my friend Marcus K. Dowling, uh, you hear him a lot on this podcast. You heard him just the other week talking about some metal, uh, about the, uh, the band Inner Arma. And uh, he is sort of making his moves. Nothing we can talk about yet, but he's, he's you know, he's going to work it, man. He's getting up there. Uh, but, you know, like we always knew he would. Uh, his most recent thing, though, the thing that I worked on a little bit, uh, the Getting Over podcast where he's interviewing some people. We uh, had the first two episodes are out now. You can listen to his chat with Odyssey, which is amazing. I recommend you do that. Uh, listen to this one first, though. Yeah. Not a competition, but come on, man. Uh, and then uh, had an interview with the, the other guy on this podcast, Marcus J. Moore. So, and got some great stuff coming up. Um, so, but this week we are talking about Blood Orange. And uh, I. You know, every time an album comes along like this, it takes a little while to get under your skin. This one got under my skin real quick. Uh, not just because of the uh, sweet 80s sounds and the jams that uh, Dev Hines was laying down, but it, you know, it's one of those albums. We've had a few this year that are, are very uh, subversive. You'll hear us explore this a little more in a few minutes, but, you know, on the surface, you can listen to it and, like, wow, this is some really good pop music. Um, this really is sort of scratching my itch for that. But then you dig a little deeper and spend some time with it. Maybe maybe it's just to even take some headphones. Maybe you need to mow the lawn with it. Um, and all of a sudden you realize how how massive a statement about uh, not just his personal uh, you know, emotional politics, but uh, the world around him and everything we have going on. But we're going to talk a lot about that. And, um, and stick around to the end, please, because there's a treat for you. Uh, you know, one of the people we've talked to for Marcus's podcast has a uh, music director who's also on that podcast. His name is uh, Aaron Abernathy. He goes by the uh, name Ab, if you know him. Uh, he's got an album coming out called Monologue, and uh, I've heard it. And so is Marcus Dowling and Marcus Moore. And that's why we sort of freak out. I think about three quarters we threw about it. So I figured now's as good a time as any uh, to let you hear the track. So uh, if you're ready and you're comfortable and uh, everybody's got room down here, think we'll get to it. Here you go. This is episode number 204 of Chunky Glasses, the podcast, where we're sitting down to review the new album from Blood Orange, Freetown Sound. Okay. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man Merely a two-word review, just a shit sandwich. I will roll the record up to the next minute. That right there is a wonderful 
like, I just like Debbie Harry. Just like, I just, I imagine she came to the studio for that because he, he recorded in New York because he lives. Yeah. Yeah, he lived. He and Debbie Harry just rolled with the studio. Debbie Harry, at this point in time, especially now back out on the road, do you give any fucks at all? No, zero. You're just like, no, <laughs> like you do it. whatever you want. to. I'm Debbie Harry. Right, I'm gonna do whatever I want, and it's gonna be awesome. Yep. Uh, if you guys are ready, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's we're, get we're, it. We're rolling. Cool. Uh, welcome back to Hot Talk. <laughs> uh, I am down here. Uh, we're down here with some two of my favorite people to talk to. The Mark High. Yo, uh, <laughs> welcome, uh, Mr. Moore. On, hey. on, on break, you've been in the city for a little bit. A couple weeks, York. yeah, yeah, off and on a couple weeks. Yeah, yeah. yeah you've, you've sort of shed that sheen that you had, so you look more DC now. <laughs> I appreciate yeah. it. I'm and, always uh, going to be and, DC. It's all right. And uh, and Mr. Dowling, hello, sir. It's uh, been a long time since I've seen you. Like what, like four days? Four maybe? days, right? That's that's long lately. <laughs> Jesus and, and I dig it. Um, you know, we sort of put this one off because this is an album that you wrote the review for, uh, more and, uh, excellent re- review, by the way, Thank if, you. if, if we were to just read that review, this would be an excellent podcast. Oh, appreciate you, it, man. Thank it you was, so much. If we were just like outlined it and went through it, it was like, damn, Thanks, you man. went in. I, I had to, I had to with that one. Um, but we're not, we're not gonna, we're not gonna uh, read good. that. I'm sure, I'm sure we'll touch on points. Uh, you know, when was this last month that uh, this album, My Blood Orange, came out? Yeah. The uh, name of the album is Freetown Sound. Uh, it, it was brought to my attention from you guys and said, no, you need to really need to check this shit out. Uh, I did. And uh, a, as far as what we've been talking about this year, I think even just the podcast you guys have been on, this falls right in line yep. with everything we're concerned about as critics, as like journalists, mm-hmm. as getting good art out in the world. Um, it's uh, Devante Dev Hines. He's a uh, youngin, a little bit. Yeah. 19, 1985. Uh, used to be Lightspeed Champion, if you remember them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, a, he's a British singer, songwriter, composer, producer, and author. He does it all pretty much. Uh, and besides doing his own stuff, he said this is the third album for Blood Orange, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. He's written for artists like uh, Tina Shea, Solange Knowles, Sky Ferreira, FKA Twigs, Florence and the Machine, who was also a member of his band on some of these earlier albums, uh, Carly Rae Jepsen, Diane Vickers, yeah. the Chemical Brothers, Kylie Minogue. The list like keeps going on. Uh, and uh, to say that the guy, I think somebody said he's the coolest guy in uh in the music industry is that is that, oh, is that really? his rep? Yeah. i mean he got this the 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 solange cosign he got the solange yeah. that was like when solange knowles who i believe the solange knowles ipod controls the music industry yeah that's that's been a long long held belief of mine when she says you're the best artist in music you're probably the best artist in music and i think this is the first record where he like came out and was like made the case i'm going to ether every other record that anybody else is going to make this year and it's not like it's not like he's making it in competition with anybody mm-hmm. like he just comes from a different creative perspective than everybody else and he's like mastered that perspective um another thing i wanted to mention uh this is the same like dev hines being lightspeed champion for years and having all these other aliases and being around for a decade is similar to anderson pock mm-hmm. yeah being yeah. busy lovejoy and being around for a decade and this is a very awesome for a decade. A very similar vibe to yes. Malibu. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as it doesn't have a similar sound, but the vibe, the uh, I guess what you get off of it. Um, 
Can we like spoil stuff right out the gate and say this is probably one of the best albums this year? Oh, easily. Oh, easily. Yeah, probably top yeah. five. Yeah, because so yeah, because I, I want to get that out of the way so we can get into like what makes oh, it's not, this it's, work. It's unfair to compare this to any other record. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. That's yeah, a fair completely unfair. It's seventeen songs long. It's uh, just under an hour. Um, it is unabashedly a uh, not even an homage to the eighties. It's it just sounds a lot like an 80s album yeah but at the very second you're lulled into that all of a sudden it brings up these immense questions of like racial politics Mm -hmm. personal politics uh it's unlike any album i've heard this year in doing that and in that i think it makes it one of the most subversive albums of this year oh yeah because you know you can hear a song um well any song on this but even like the poem that starts off the album, like Be Ourselves, you know, that sets the tone, but it goes right into uh, just an 80s jam, like a, literally, yeah. a literal yeah. roller skating jam. Oh, yeah. To me, it's like there's a space now in music for strong queer black men yeah. to write records as black men. There's a thing, and you, you may, may feel the same way, that when you write a record and you're like, a queer artist there's like a feminist bent that exists mm-hmm. because it's like okay we're coming at this like my man but i i am i strongly identify with my feminine side for for dev for dev hines it's like not being male or female but it's like being creatively which, different and which being is, influenced by all this stuff which is something he put out there for a long time yeah. he, was yeah. say, he was saying and i actually uh, is he like fully just out now is that well, I'm saying he's still kind of like he he hasn't said one way or the other. He says, "Oh, I'm not gay, but I'm not straight either." I think right, that's the quote right, that I've right. seen. Yeah, and very Princeian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he loves Prince, and that's important. I think in the sense that, like, listening to this record this is the first time that, like, you've had like a man step behind the the, the curtain and decide that I'm going to be queer, mm-hmm. but I'm also going to be a strong black man in doing that. Like, there's no weakness at all in this record this record is like defiant it's Mm -hmm. angry it's pointed and that perspective nobody else has that perspective like i feel like the the closest thing perspective wise if you want to like listen to a record after listening to this and say okay where's another strong like record that has this kind of same vent it's like like rihanna's record for instance like yeah where she's like okay listen like i'm not beyonce and i'm not any other black woman making music right now but I'm also like West Indian, so that means that my blackness is different, and I'm going to own that difference, and I'm going to like run directly into that. Well, it's it's that millennial trick that only works in music. It doesn't work in writing, but when you start just talking about you, right, you, exactly. you, 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 exactly. using yeah. I, and and uh, you know, and I don't know why it doesn't work in writing. Well, I do know why because nobody's like Hunter S. Thompson or nobody's these <laughs> yeah. these like legends who who have it's their like life to back it up. Yeah, and um, but in music you can sort of build that uh legend uh whether it's true or not yeah. and you have what the work he's done and you look at all the people he's worked with and like i said it's it it's just a strong statement of not even just being a queer man not a black man just being a person yeah well yeah and that's the thing and, and just in listening to the record you know it, it's like you said it's strong it's aggressive it's all of these things but the main thing I took from it is that it's very insular as well, where mm-hmm. it's like, okay, he is dealing with he's dealing with his feelings, he's dealing with the racial tension, he's dealing with how the tension hits him personally and how it hits people who are close to him. 
Um, and it actually it, it came out at the end of this crazy week, right? It came right, out right. like right after. And and another thing that I noticed just in researching, it came out like during these like anniversaries. Like Tamir Rice would have been like fourteen years old. Right. All this crazy stuff, and so I think it just hit at the right time. In addition to it just being a really good record, it hit at the exact time that it needed to come out. Right, and I think that it came out early too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He dropped yeah. it a week I early. I think that he he knew on some level, like okay, so the 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 climate is right for people to hear my record. Yeah, and that and that's one of those crazy things. Like as an artist, when you know your own work to a degree where you could say, okay, this record deserves to be out right. Mm-hmm. now and and just literally like nail it to the second boom and it drops mm-hmm. and it does what it does yeah it's it's a uh and, and i don't know i mean he he was writing about this before you know he had a track that wasn't on it's not on the record um and this is consumed like his like artistic uh expression what he's trying to do it's you know you compared it to uh to pimp a butterfly yeah, and making the same type of statements, and I and I think that's pretty accurate. I think this is more straightforward on it. Uh, I I don't know which song it is, and and this is this is an experience that like I as a forty four year old white man, I just don't have. Mm. But deciding what to wear. Oh yeah, um, well he had a quote on there from um, yeah. from Coates, yeah, from Coates, yeah, and mm-hmm. and and you know, putting that out there. In a thing that you know is going to get heard, you know is going to, uh, like, cause people to like think about stuff. That's that's brave. Yeah, that's that's super brave, especially in the music climate today. Because I don't know if he's necessarily known as a political uh, artist, and that's why I say this album is so subversive because you've got these, like timbers and tones that resonate very strongly with me i mean the the 80s is strong in this mm-hmm. and if they resonate with me uh, that that is a lot of a, a white audience who may need to start thinking about this stuff we talked yeah. about it right, on getting yeah. over on the intro of course uh, after that week and then hitting them with these truths that they never heard right it's it's intriguing there's a lot of like to get back to like you know like understanding like this record i think it's its strongest point to me is that there's so much like gay queer symbolism that gets mm. involved in the black conversation on this record. Like there's like Paris is burning quotes on here. And, <laughs> yeah. I, and you're yeah, just yeah. like, okay. Like I was, it was like this, this moment for me, the first time I heard the record where I was like, I woke up and I'm like, Oh, okay. Like now this gets fun because there's so much gay black symbolism that became white pop culture. Yeah. Yeah. And, now to like recontextualize that and put it under the Black Lives Matter banner, you're taking something that's very become very white and very t- tangible yeah. in the white community as house music, as you know, Vogue house culture, you know, things that you know people feel are like approachable about you know like gay queer black men. Yeah, and then you put all of that that hasn't been under the Black Lives Matter uh, Black Lives Matter banner before. Mm-hmm. You suddenly put that under that banner. And you say, this is black. And it changes everything about the record. Because when you hear it through that tone... It does. You're just like... It just blows your mind. And like for a second, you have to like let everything settle. Because you're like, okay, now I'm black. And as a black person, when you listen to this record, that's one thing I appreciate about... Looking at Marcus Moore when I say this. Um, 
when you reviewed the record is that you as a black man and being close to my age, mm-hmm. you had you probably had the same moment when you heard certain things on this record that it just struck you as like, I'm black and I'm listening to this record. Well, yeah, I, I, for me especially, I mean, the music is what it is, but for me, it was the quotes in between it, the way yeah. he... The way he brought it all together, the way you hear the opening poem, the way you hear KRS-One on there just for a split second, the way you hear De La Soul on there for a split second. Right. You know, that also tapped into just my youth listening to that type of hip hop growing up Mm -hmm. and that type of stuff that may have gotten lost over the years with like the advent of like trap and other things. The fact that he's bringing all of that back to the forefront while also bringing in all these different kinds of music uh, or different sounds or whatever. And he's putting it all into this one package that makes you proud to be who you are. Yeah, right. You know, that's that's the moment that hit yeah. me. And that's why I reviewed the record the and, way that and I did. And it coexists, though, along those sounds that you were talking about, like KRS-One was back in the 80s. Yeah. And it coexists uh, along those lines. And, um, you know, it's, it's almost, when I hear it, like, I think we could all agree in this room. We're at a sort of by any means necessary. Like we need to fix this shit. Yes. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. And, yes. 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 And this is all. This is sort of a by any means necessary. Right. It's. it's you know. You mentioned the uh, appropriation of black culture. Right. And this is almost flipping that around. Yeah. You know, I was talking to more upstairs, and I, I, in listening to this, every song on this record, just about. I hear a lot of old eighties, uh, like Human League, like British, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. pop. Because he is British, stuff. right? Because right. he is British, and, right. and he grew up there. But I hear a lot of that, and I couldn't nail it down. And then I was like, "Oh yeah, that's why." Because he's British. He's he's grew up at you know heard that stuff. His parents clearly listened to that stuff, right? And it it narrows it down into a very specific uh, style <laughs> that is just going to resonate with people that maybe wouldn't look at an album and be like, oh, that's a black album? I, I don't know. I you don't know what I also thought was beautiful about it, just, again, from a personal perspective? The name of the album is called Freetown Sound. Yes. My in-laws are from Freetown, Sierra, Sierra Leone. Leone. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like yeah. he's also bringing in this other group of people who aren't spoken about at all, you know? Right. Yeah. And that's the one thing, like, just in playing it around the apartment and playing it, you know, just for my in-laws. And I'm like, okay, I I could see what he what he did. He didn't necessarily bring in the music from Freetown, but he brought in the community aspect of yeah. Freetown, and that's I think that's what resonated more than anything else. It's just the fact that this feels like a very communal record. It has all these different guest stars, and it just feels like it almost feels like a group album. And he's mm-hmm. bringing in like Freetown in and of itself. Like they, my my in laws always tell me just how like. It feels like a community, but you have all of this like other stuff that's going on that isn't that beautiful. Right. But you still take solace in each other. And that's what I pulled from Dev Hines and from this record in general. Right. I love the fact that you have like Afro British culture being seen through an African American lens by an Afro British person. Yeah. Which is like this like weird triple layer thing that exists and you and has to exist now and you're just like okay and you're forced to listen to it like that's the great part about this record is that the music is so good it's so catchy Mm -hmm. it's so pop driven by like a standard that everybody knows pop music that sounds like this yeah that you're forced to listen to it yeah it's not like like the pimp a butterfly if you're not aware of like black music is a really dissonant record 
It's a hard record to listen to it a lot of times. But you but you forcibly listen to it because you know it's Kendrick Lamar and you understand like he is an important artist, so therefore I must listen to this record. I must soldier through. But there are parts of that record that are very hard. They, they, they yeah. are they yeah. are hard, but there there are points to that record, much like this record that let you in if you're outside the experience, which right. is which mm-hmm. is such a it's such a unique fucking talent to be able to be like, here's clearly this is what we have to say. This is encapsulated. This is very niche. This could be. I mean, it couldn't. Not even be just like black culture, like his family as as a black family growing up there. Yeah, right. And to then be able to do it in a way that speaks very specifically to that, but then lets people in, and not in a generalized way like Katy Perry bullshit, where like everything is you know. But you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. it's, it's not pop music. No, you know, despite the sheen, and this isn't despite the sheen on it. It's not. It's not pop music. Yeah. Um, it's highly politicized, actually. I think. Um. You guys want to hear a track right yeah, now? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. We, 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 we want to go for the uh, more political, or we want to go for the uh, pop here? Let's go for the pop. All right, here's uh, EVP off Blood Orange's uh, Freetown Sound.
right, so that that is we were trying to figure this out in the break, like who that is, and you, yeah, I think you you put it most succinctly more. You're like that's just everybody. Yeah, that's <laughs> just there, <a> cameo. <laughs> there's, a, there's a funny thing about '80s funk. I'm sorry to cut you off, but um, there's like all these artists that like mainstream American culture like forgot, mm-hmm. like after like 1987 or 1988 or so, they just ceased to exist I, we've had this conversation mainstream didn't know it this was dentist office music right i know that was mm-hmm. your dentist office music i understand we talked about that on the king podcast yeah but i was like alexander o'neill is a is an artist who like i still love and respect and i think is fantastic but like if i walk down the street if i walk down otis street northeast and i uh, said hey do you remember fake by alexander o'neill they would go, people would go, no, <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Nope. But for my neighbor might. Right. But in the, exactly. But in the UK, all of those artists, that entire sound is still like relevant, like yeah. very relevant, very mm-hmm. popular, very well respected. All those artists still have careers over there. So like for Dev being from the UK, the idea that like this funk that like we just don't know in America, like it's a thing yeah. that just ceased to exist. It's still very relevant for him. Well, so. that's heavily like influenced. You, can touch it. you know, I've heard a lot of comps to him, uh, to Prince. Yeah, he's not there yet. I think he'll get there. But there's certainly a lot of moments yeah. in there where he he is like paying homage to Prince. This oh, is yeah. Like, oh, like, yeah. yeah, that's one of them. This I, is like I, uh, 1982. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's like Dirty Mind. Yeah, and and it's just that that vamping like funk drive. A mm. lot of that was the time doing that stuff. Yeah. Uh, with the English sheen on it, it doesn't like it's it's wholly unique and it it's. For me, like shocking to hear in 2016, like holy shit, like who who heard that? The kid who grew up in England with parents from you know like Sierra Leone, Guyana, exactly, yeah. right? And they love Britpop. Like my father-in-law in particular has all that shit in his basement. Yeah, yeah. like just because you know, because that's just what he grew up with. That was yeah. the sound. Right. That's what that's what they listened to overseas. You know, yeah. So Dev Hines, that's part of his musical lineage. Yeah. So giving him a voice in America, that's crazy and very important. So like we can't like. Well, he is likes being champion. He worked with the guys with uh, Bright Eyes, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, Connor Ober's group, which yeah. it was just you know what I don't like Bright Eyes, so I'll, I'll cop to that. <laughs> but I do respect the fact that they are a, a he basically created a creative uh, cult or whatever of people that can turn out work, yeah, and turn out and support and help supported him. Right, that's true. Right. And somehow now we're here at this point where this album is here, and I hate to say that like, Bright Eyes had anything to do with that, but maybe, you know. And that's the thing, you just don't know. Just in listening to this record, it has so many different things going on at the exact same time mm-hmm. that it's like, you had, there's no way of knowing. Unless you like talk to Dev directly, there's no way of knowing just what it is. Just in me looking at the press releases and all of that, he he um, likened it to uh, Beastie Boy's Paul's uh, Boutique. Yeah, you were saying that. Yeah, he said he wanted this to be his Paul's Boutique. And I could totally hear that because he he took literally everything he's been working on, everything he's been doing, just threw it into one record and was like, here it is. Yeah. And that's the same way Paul's Boutique is. Yeah. So, and I mean, it hit the same marks. I mean, obviously, maybe they're not speaking to the same demographics. No, no, no. no. But it hits the same mark for sure. Yeah. Yeah. How is this being received right now? I mean, I know we all love it. I know you read the review and give it 8.8. 8.8, best new music. Oh. How is this re- being received by the uh, the pop sphere? I'll put it like this. Um, there's like, I, I have two like mentees who are like 22-year-old black female bloggers. And um, this is like their favorite record right now. Mm-hmm. Like they are like 
adoring everything about this record. And Lashley, curiously enough, like Sound, SoundCloud and YouTube, YouTube especially, plays a huge role in this record, I feel. Because I feel like at any point when he's trying to like get references for this record, Dev Highs could literally sit down and go, I need to hear this song yeah. and plug it into YouTube and it comes right up. And he has like a six minute, you know, five minute, whatever version of the song with the video or whatever. And he can just listen to it right there. Boom, bam. And it's like right there. Like the, the, the exact like tone that he's going for. Yeah. So like what's funny is like these, these two young African-American females are listening to drip pop records. So like they hit me up about the Human League and the Thompson Twins this week. And I was Which like, amazing. And I was like, what? And and that's the other way it's subversive. Yeah. yeah. Is it's it's turning this all back because for me when an album like this happens, uh again, back to the, the specificity of it, is what's important about it is that it at some point includes everybody. To Bimp Butterfly, I and I think it was uh the song where the last line was hypocrite. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's that's when it let go of this this is locked in this thing that only black people can appreciate. This is mm-hmm. like this is for everybody. And try and understand it, and and that this doesn't have that moment. It's just the whole album. It's just reciprocity back and forth of styles of music that don't necessarily gel, or what at least Americans, to our shame, I think, yeah. think gel with what we think like Black Americans grew up with. Well, yeah, and just on a on a surface level, like I can just only speak for New York. Like I know, like I hear it all the time. Yeah, like I could just <laughs> I could just be walking down the street going to work. Mm-hmm. You know, and some car will drive by and Desiree will be blasting out mm-hmm. of the windows. Yeah. Or I'll go, you know, I'm coming home from work and I'll hear like EVP blasting out. Yeah. So it's just one of these records where it's like surface level. I mean, just the music on there, it jams. So you can just play it and not even pay right. attention to what's going on. You're <laughs> right. just like, oh, I don't yeah. even know what's going on, but this beat is the shit. So I'm yeah. just going to go with this. But, you know, when you when you start digging into it, it's one of these records where it's like, it's going to be around for a while because you can find something different about it every single time. Yep. And that's what I loved about it. And that's what I loved about Butterfly and all these other records, yep. Kamazi and all of that. You find something different that you like every single time that you play it. Mm-hmm. And that's the mark of a classic record. Yeah, I, I'm, about 10 classic listen, record. I'm about 10 listens in and, and exactly every single time. Yeah, I was playing it on the different. way here and I was like, oh, this song jams. I, you know, I knew it, it was good before, but like listening to it on the way up, I was like, wow, okay, I don't know why it locked in for me today, but... This is amazing. Yeah. So how do we get how do we get Dev to sit down with Kanye and just be <laughs> like, hey man, we we got a chance. Okay. We got that's a, a dowling. Okay. 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 Oh, oh my god. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah. I had a funny conversation with Spankrock about this. All right. If anybody who wants to really understand like my life, I had a three hour long conversation with Spankrock last year. It changed my entire life. Um, we had a it was cool talk, and he'll probably not even care that I said this. But we had a, a moment where we talked about how Kanye associated with the wrong black people. Not in a sense where they're bad black okay. people, but he found like a group of black people who are like not as progressive as he wanted them to be. So like Farnsworth Bentley is not <laughs> Anderson <laughs> Pock. <No. laughs> like, like, he's just not. Right here, the understatement of the year, folks. <laughs> Can I tweet so, that out? <laughs> so like, think about it. In like 2008, Kanye, instead of hanging out with, like, you know, his whole crew of, like, you know, there's that one picture, iconically, of, like, him and all of his, like, black hipster friends hanging out, like, at Paris Fashion Week, and they're walking down the street, and they all look ridiculous. So that picture could have been, like, Kanye with, like, Anderson Pac and, 
like Dev Hines and all these just amazing people who in the year of our Lord 2016 are putting out like the best music. Robert mm-hmm. Glasper could have been in there. They yeah. could have all just been walking down the street together, you know, like Ab. Aaron yeah. Abernathy yeah. could have been in that, that number. And, and can, we take a, can we take a break and shout out when people hear Ab's album? Oh, my God. We're, we're, we're going to be talking listen, about... Man, listen. <laughs> more, that's my, more, G, uh, that's uh, my uh, G-Train soundtrack. Yes. Yeah, Joe. So, that's yeah. the one. So that's the Aaron, one. if you're listening. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> but imagine, like, Kanye could have been walking around the town with all those guys. Yeah. Yeah. And his music would have been astounding Yeah. by this point. Like, think about that. Like, really think about what that what that could have been. He started taking musical advice from, like, Chris Jenner. and Yeah, right. Know, it's like, <laughs> like, you know, maybe not listen to them about your yeah, record. Maybe like, reach out to Jay-Z and Beyonce about Pablo. Yeah. You know, like, no, that's... Just skip by Jay. Anybody but who you're talking yeah, to yeah. now. Right, but that's the thing. Like, imagine a, 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 a situation where, like, Kanye has those people around him. Spanks in a number two. All these, like really hyper-progressive African-American creatives who are doing the thing that he wants to do, where he's like mm-hmm. questioning politics and gender and race and all these things that he does in his music right now. But yeah. because of the people that he's surrounding himself with, he doesn't have the access to like the core of it. He doesn't yeah. have like Dev Hines like sitting up there with like 50, you know, screens open on his computer, like, you know, playing Britpop next to acid jazz and trying to figure out well what lies between those things yeah right he's like hanging out like kanye's got like the new kanye had the uh the the tonight record the hudson mohawk and lunas record and was like this is the dopest sound of all time all of the music fails by comparison and then you get yeezus and you're like oh okay well that's cool (laughs) i mean and the problem with statements like that is eventually people will hear the record yeah right. (laughs) right and it becomes a subjective thing yeah um you know, it's funny. That's one thing we haven't talked about this record at all uh, yet is the, uh, the the jazz aspect, mm-hmm. yeah. which is very. I know you've been digging on uh, Bad Bad Not Good. Oh yeah, I which love is that, was man. a great album. Uh, there's a lot of good jazz going around, and a lot of good jazz for the first time in a long time working its way back into hip hop and rap. Yes, and uh, which I don't know if we would classify Dev as that. I don't know. You could Dev classify. Certainly, I think he's hip hop inspired, like culturally. Hip- oh, sure, hip hop inspired yeah. culturally. For sure. yeah. Um, but the jazz flourishes on this record are, you know, again, you, you're faced with a serious social political statement mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you're bounced to a human league song and then you'll hear this like bleat of dissonant horns or jazz lick and, and it, it brings it all together in again, like just an amazing, like just thing. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, you know, it, I wouldn't classify it as like a jazz record. That it didn't hit me, but at the same time, it does have the like the spaciousness of a jazz yeah. record, where it's like, okay, I have all these different sounds, I have all these different things that I can do, and I do them all well. So I'm going to put it all into the same thing, and you're going to be forced to listen because, you know, just on one end, like you're going to listen to a Def Hines record because his last record was really good. The yeah. Cupid Deluxe was really good. Yeah, and then he had the 11 minute joint that came out earlier. Uh, no, it came out last year. Right. That was really amazing. So it's just like, you're going to listen. So I, I think this was his moment where he was just like, I, you know, I know I can do all of these different things. I know I have an audience. I have everybody's ear. So mm-hmm. here it is. Here's what I can do. And he didn't, you know, he could have just come up with anything. But the fact that he came up with this political record that brought in all these different sounds and paid homage to his um, father's hometown. Yeah. He just did all that at the same time. And I think, you know, it. this was one of these projects that could have really worked 
or been horrible. <laughs> it was right. like there was yeah. no in-between. Yeah. It was either going to be self, classic self, or terrible. There's nothing more self-indulgent than attempting what he did. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it's like it just happened to work. So, you know, luckily for all of us, it actually went in that direction yeah. and not the other. I, I want to play another track uh, since we didn't do any news here. Uh, and and this is the, at least even in the title, the most politicized track on here. Yeah. Um, and again, I, you know, being at the point we are at with things in America, at least, uh, maybe everywhere. I, I think somebody just coming out and saying this blatantly is really important. So mm-hmm. it's really yeah. important that you hear it. So the name of the song is, is Hands Up uh, off of Freetown Sound.
All right, so hands up. I mean, you know, right? <laughs> obviously, that is. Uh, you know, it's funny. I was reading something, and I need to. I'll put a link in the show notes if I read more about it and follow up. Apparently, like they were playing this song and uh, doing some stuff at Coachella, and bringing attention to this thing. Like cops have to do better, and uh, and uh, some disparaging comments about how uh, black people are being treated by cops, and security apparently beat the shit out of them. Yes. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. know that. that happened. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. and it was it was literally right before you guys got here, so I didn't get a chance to get into it, but not just taking the risk of putting that on record, but standing behind it mm-hmm. in this climate is, um, I I mean, outstanding. How can you how can you not like hold this record up just like, for that? When you're as good at he, as he is at music, like you really don't give a, a shit. What anybody says Mm-mm. at that point, yeah. you know, like this is the album I think where he can finally stand up and say, "I'm really, really good at music." But how many artists do you know would go out and actively right now, especially at a thing like Coachella, and and say like the things a lot he did of them. and take a beating for it? A lot of them. Well, I don't know if the one percent would go there. Though. Right, 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 right. But but there's but there's a lot of artists out there who would get that pitch for I've made that Coachella look and go out and get beat up. Yeah, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of angry musicians on multiple levels they should in the be. world right now well yeah i mean we've reached a point where we can no longer be like at least musically you you, you can't be safe anymore because i mean you we all know the news so we don't have to rehash yeah. it but shit is popping off so yeah. it's like you have to say something you you've reached a point where if you have a platform you have to say something even beyonce jumped out there and said yeah. something yeah. you have to like address what's going on and this gets back to your theory too darling where um you, you're gonna talk about in an age where we don't make money off of music yeah why why leave anything on the floor <laughs> exactly. why do that? but but more importantly like to your point marcus mm-hmm. uh that yeah if you have a platform like you need to say something and you know yeah. in fact like paul will be dropping off, as we get closer to the election paul will be dropping off this podcast because he works for the fcc so we because we will be saying some political things because it's an we're in an important like time right now yeah and we have us however small it is we have a platform yeah right like and whether you're doing this whether you're a musician who's going to have a much bigger platform like it's now's the time yeah now's the time i mean it's it's getting real scary out here man you, mm-hmm. you know we saw the rnc like yeah <laughs> it's so real you it's getting real it's getting real where you have to make some serious serious life choices some mm-hmm. serious plans like okay am i gonna stick around or i'm i'm Am I going to leave? Like, yeah. Because it's getting that real. And I think artists are starting to feel that as well. Yeah. Right. I mean, I definitely see on this next, the next Dev Hatton's record, he'll probably be safely in England, you know, yeah. relaxing and good for him. Making, making his statements from a, a safe distance because that, that's where we're headed. Exactly. Either way. Either way. Well, no, I mean, you know, Brexit happened right as this dropped. So, I mean, right. This is, you know, that that's equally feeding into what's well, going on go here. Like this, maybe you can go to Sierra Leone. Maybe you can go to I Sierra Leone. Freetown yeah. nice. I haven't made it there yet. <laughs> I hear Freetown's amazing. Um, you know, but it, yeah, it's, I, yeah, I guess for so many reasons, not only is this one of like the, the best, one of the best albums of the year, it's, it's one of the most important. Yeah. If you're and, not listening to this record, listen to it. Like immediately, and if you're ASAP, a musician yeah. who hears this and is wondering if you can do this, the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Like, None of this is hard. It's not. He just like he sat in Washington Square Park and wrote this record for the most part. Yeah, he sat in the park. Like if you're a musician in Washington D.C., you can go to Malcolm X Park, you can go to Chuck Brown Park, you can to sit in the park and write yeah. a record. That's what he did. And then he 
He knows great musicians. Like, yes, you don't know Carly Rae Jepsen. You can't get Debbie Harry to like roll into the studio. Yeah. But but you have equally great musicians who yeah, may not Allison have Carney's the name. Allison Carney's just hanging yeah. out in D.C. Just hanging out. Allison Carney. I mean, hell, on, on, a, on a bigger platform, we've said this. You've said this before. Black Milk. You can just yeah. holler at him you about it. You can literally call Black Milk on the phone and Email like, him. Hey, buddy. Hey, man. And he'll be like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No right. doubt. Yeah. That's where so, we're at. So, uh, so I'll start with you more. What, what, what are you going to do with this album? Well, first of all, I need to get the vinyl of this one, but yeah. I, I definitely need to. Um, Seems like a buy. It's a buy <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but I'm just going to hold it up as an example, and I'm thankful that I could, you know, provide a, a voice for it. And um, and it's also shouting out my in-laws' um, hometown, so I'm glad that yeah. you know, I have some part of it. Yeah. 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 Dowling? I'll buy it. Got to buy it. Yeah. Got to. That's two. You don't buy shit. I don't buy shit. I don't buy it. You said what they sent to him. Yeah. I do. I do. I get that hand so out email. So do I. But, that, but that's why we have the scale. It's like, if we're sitting here recommending you buy it, like everything we say buy, I buy. Yeah, I, yeah, got, no the, I got the hand of God email about the, the blood orange. Like the like the double secret, like Brooklyn email. Like, hey man, here you go. Yeah. You, Marcus Dowling. Like, the person who sent the record to me is probably listening to this podcast. And I will tell you that this person said to me, Marcus Dowling, because you are Marcus Dowling. Good. And I know the way that you think you will appreciate so many things about this record. And I was like, okay. And I listened and it was like, bing, 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 bing. It was like all the stuff that I care about in the world, like all on one record. And I'm like, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. you got me. I uh, I didn't get the album early, but I get it now. So that's all That's all that really matters. Yeah, just get it. It doesn't matter when you when you get to it. So this is just, this is definitely a, a buy. This is, uh, uh, we've had a lot of these this year. We were talking about mm-hmm. stuff speeding. It's, it's, we're losing, it's a losing race trying to like cover it's, shit because there's so much good stuff coming out. But yeah, uh, this is... Props to the musicians for working. Yeah, yeah, but this is high on the list. Uh, so yeah, uh, Blood Orange, Freetown Sound. Uh, thank you guys for coming down. Thank you. And then uh, I know you'll be back, darling. Uh, I don't know when you'll be back more, but uh, a couple soon. weeks. Yeah, I'll so, be back in a couple weeks. So we'll talk about something then. Maybe cool. some uh, ACDC or something. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> All right, <then. laughs> cool. album is freetown sound uh the name of the artist is uh blood orange also known as dev hines uh thanks a lot to the Markai for coming down to the basement like i said that is you know we spent we hung out a good bit the afternoon that we taped this and it's one of my favorite things that has been going on this year is we come and sit around and talk about not just the music we're talking about but all this other stuff and it's uh it's producing some good stuff some good thoughts some uh so you know what I'm trying to say is surround yourself with people who are talented and respect your talent and, uh, and good things will happen. They have to. That's just how the universe works. Um, so in case you couldn't tell, also go out and buy this. Uh, get support it. Give money to it so that people can, uh, people can keep making stuff like this. You, know, you often hear us say that people will make it no matter what, and that, that is true. But uh, it helps – if people see that 
put a little uh put a little change in in uh devs pockets and maybe people are on the fence about coming out with such a strong statement I'll be like yeah you know it's not only the right thing to do but it, it is commercially viable and uh and then we'll live in a better world is that too much to ask I don't think so but we'll find out um before we uh sign off on this podcast for you this week as I mentioned up front we got a little track for you now like I said I came to this in an interview we conducted uh that I'm not gonna tell you who that was but uh because I'll spoil it but uh, I saw his band play, uh, you know, Aaron's band, uh, Nat Turner, down at uh, the Rock and Roll Hotel, and legitimately, it's the best show I've seen this year. It blew my mind. It, you know, him and uh, sometimes he plays with Black Milk are channeling the time. They're channeling Prince. They're channeling everything that's good about uh, not just R and B but music, and doing it on a level that you don't see. And for for him to be from DC, he's you know he's all over now. Uh, you know, but really DC based. I mean, this is, uh, without saying too much about the album that's going to be coming out, I think in October called Monologue, hands down the best DC album, uh, that we have. So, you know, if you're listening out there, uh, Paul and Hometown Sounds, or, you know, whoever you want to talk about, like the best work that's being done in DC, uh, it is without a doubt, uh, being done by Ab and his collaborator collaborators. Hopefully I'll get him and uh, Jamal Gray because they're, they're a very close second. Nag Champa, computer club, man, uh, just some super crazy creative shit. But, uh, but right now we're here to talk about Ab and his album. So, um, name of the track. We have his favorite girl. The name of the album is monologue. And this is probably your first listen to it. So I hope you enjoy
Favorite girl from Aaron Abernathy's upcoming uh, solo debut here, uh, monologue. We'll we'll be we'll we'll be talking with him when it gets closer to time, and we'll be letting you guys know when it came out. But I don't think I even have to ask uh, because I know that that shit straight up jams. There's there's really no, I mean, look, there's a lot of depth to this album, a lot of depth to that song, and we're gonna get into it. But you can just leave it at this, is that the shit straight up jams. It's all you need to know, so put it in your ears, seek it out, seek out his work. If you see him or the band Nat Turner playing, go see them. Uh, again, they, they are the, I've been here for almost nine years, and they are probably the best band I've seen perform that is based here in D.C. So take that for what it's worth. Uh, and that is not disparaging any of the other bands that I love around here, but uh, that they are they're operating on, on the next level, as they say. Uh, so check that out. We'll put the links in the show notes and all that. And uh, that's our podcast for this week. If you enjoyed it, subscribe to us on iTunes. Listen to us on Google Play. Give us a rating. Send us an email. Give us some feedback. Um, you know, if you want to hear something that you aren't hearing on this, hit me up. It's Kevin at ChunkyGlasses.com. Say, hey, why aren't you covering this? And we might say, yeah, we should. And, and, and we might even say, hey, why don't you come cover it with us? Because that, that happens a good bit. And, uh... You know, you can listen to us on Stitcher if you're into that. Mixcloud, uh, we're we're just sort of expanding everywhere and, and growing, uh, growing and having a good time doing it. And uh, yeah, so that's your podcast, your second podcast for this week. We'll be back on Monday. Um, I'm not sure which one we got for you, but uh, I'm sh- I know for a fact it's going to be good. So look forward to that. And until then, please get out and see some live music and uh, be good to your ears, but be better to your people. And we'll talk to you soon.
<laughs> 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 Kenobi.